This is the Music Mentor Podcast. What is up, girls and boys, ladies and gentlemen? This is Demian, your host of the Music Mentor Podcast, and welcome to episode number 72. Last week, I spoke to you guys and girls about learning songs, and I gave you some suggestions and tips and tricks and so on. Today, I want to talk to you about writing parts. Before we get started, I would love to remind you as ever that the Music Mentor Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the premier providers in digital audiobooks with over 180,000 titles to choose from, any and every genre you can imagine. Audible titles play on Kindle, on your iPhone, your iPad, or your Android situation like me. So if you go to audible.com forward slash music mentor, you will get a 30-day trial and also one free digital audio book download. So let me know which book you chose and why. So writing parts, and I'm trying to be not drum centric or percussion centric, but as you can imagine, that's what I have the most experience with. So I'll try to, you know, I'll try to be as open and versatile as possible when it comes to, to, you know, giving pointers and, and so on and so forth. But similar to the last or this, the last week's discussion of song structure, and how important that is in terms of learning music. I think one of the things that are, are crucial is when we get a song that we need to learn, we need to pay attention to the parts. A lot of times we listen to, you know, the changes in sections as as um, maybe an indicator for us to change what we're going to perform. And it's it's amazing how sometimes that can be a rule of thumb where, you know, we play something different in the chorus and sometimes is the opposite or, or sometimes the, the right part is not changing and playing the same thing over and over. So there's a million ways of writing parts. And of course, this is not a fail safer or a foolproof um, way of writing. But I just wanted to give you some recommendations because lately I've had to write a lot of parts as long as well as learning a bunch of music. So the structure is incredibly important to me because it's going to allow you to know the song inside out and then be able to change or remain whatever whatever is needed. Um, another thing that I love doing is sort of following my first instinct. So whatever the song kind of reminds me of, I will or I might try to borrow or quote something from the other song that reminds me of. I try not to be too obvious and, and th there is some potential danger with this because if there's a song that reminds you of Queen, for example, and you're a drummer and you want to play kind of like Roger Taylor, you got to be very careful because it might be revealing too much where you got that inspiration from. But I, I sort of like like to ask or enjoy asking my question or, or enjoy a asking myself the question of, you know, does this song or this part remind me of anything and trying to explore that. So that's something that I do. The other sort of dimension is when, I, when I'm trying to learn a song and I already kind of know what I would like to do, I try to learn it in three different ways. And I'll explain to you how it was for me from a percussion standpoint, even as a drummer. But from a percussion standpoint, I, uh, and to, to sort of illustrate this, I try to think of a song regardless of the setting. 
if it's a pop tour or playing with a singer songwriter. I try to learn the songs in three ways. One, it's it's a minimal way, very, very open um, and very free of quantity of notes. Very, very, very minimal, non-intrusive. Then I also learn it sort of what I call the Santana way, which is the most Latin or busy thing that I could find where it's definitely a Latin thing or a percussion driven thing. And then I do the middle guy or the instinctual guy, which is sort of what I do feel like I should play. So in a way, the minimal is very restricting and it's less that I would ultimately choose to do right out of the bat. The super busy Santana-ish one is what you would like to do if it was a solo record. And the instinctual one is, is, is the middle guy that is for the most part what most people end up choosing from what I offer. So that's something that's pretty cool. And, you know, you know this, regardless of your level and level or, or trajectory in, in the music business, but ego is such a big part of what we do. And, in, and one of the things about writing parts is to try as much as possible to not let our ego get in the way. And what do I mean by that is that more than serving the song and that ideal that us Every musician likes to think that, oh, yeah, I play for what the song requires. We all like to say that. In in reality, what we need to pay attention to and, and, and play for is the artist and do whatever they want. So the ego comes in where you believe that the part that you're writing is the correct part. And with some artists, you can work and you can have a conversation about why that part that you're creating is the right part. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what we think, you know, as a band, it might be a little different where we all have a say and especially drummers where we don't really write a lot of the music or for the most part, we want to have a say in what we play and enjoy it. But, you know, sometimes a songwriter brings in a, a, a sample or, or a produced beat or, or a program beat and it's not the identical part we would play or it has like hi-hat and rides going at the same time and we don't know what to play and we try to convince them that it's not the right part so it's tricky and also i recommend you to be very careful about how you voice your opinion because if if it could be interpreted as you implying that their ideas aren't good and that the songwriting isn't good and you know some incredible songs have been written by a non-drummer you know like one of my favorite you know drum loops is probably Eminence Front by The Who, and it was written by Pete Townshend. You know, it wasn't written by Keith Moon. And Well, Keith wasn't alive then, but that's beside the point. May he rest in peace. So, you know, we, we can't let ourselves, you know, or convince ourselves that our idea is the best or what is needed. Again, we always like to think that we're the right drummer for the part or that we play for the song and so on and so forth. But, you know, the reality is that sometimes we are wrong. And we need to listen to what other people say, and especially if you're getting hired. The people that work the most are the ones that have no ego and they play whatever the song not only calls for, but whatever the artist wants. I think that is a, an even more governing thing. It's almost as if ability is a second, secondary thing and decision making is more important. Another thing that is interesting is trying to not overcommit to parts because sometimes you... It's not like you waste time, but you have an idea in mind and you're like sold on it. Like, oh, yeah, this is my part. This is what I come up with. And then you get there and it just doesn't feel right. Or you get there in the session 
is two or three BPM slower or faster, and it just changes the whole the whole vibe and the whole feel and everything. So don't overcommit, but also don't not learn the songs. One of the dreams that I've always had in music is having a legendary part or a something that I record and I'm a part of that I come up with it that stands the test of time or is a legendary part like, you know, in the air tonight, that drum part or the bass line to the chain by Fleetwood Mac or a, an amazing riff, you know, like those things. I would love to claim one of those parts and you can't or we can't force one of those things to come about. Those things are usually inspiration or like a happy mistake that happens in in some a producer or somebody in the in the in the in the band was like whoa wait 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 a second that's something special do that and you know that's tricky because we always want that so we got to be careful and the last thing i'll say which is a little bit out of left field but when i was younger i tended to judge a lot of the parts that i heard and a lot of the parts that i saw live and i would attribute them to the player and a lot of times it's not even their own choice. It's them being professional and playing what the artist wants. So I think I made a mistake when I was younger to kind of assume that X or Y player wasn't that good because they didn't have really good choices. And then I got to the studio and I had to play parts that I would have never, ever played. And I thought were quote unquote wrong or weren't, you know, correct according to clave in afro-cuban music or something like that and i was like no this is lame and then i was put in a situation where i had to play those quote-unquote lame rhythms and i i kind of became what i always criticized so kind of spoke too much i guess like the example i always give there's a somewhat a certain way of playing guido which is a afro-cuban percussion instrument and it has a certain pattern and the man who sold the world by david bowie there is a guiro part and it's kind of the opposite of what every other percussionist on the planet would play but what are you gonna you're gonna tell david bowie that that's not how it's supposed to be played if that's how he wrote it, that's how he wrote it and and you know you end up sort of betraying some things so it's an interesting sort of dialogue that sometimes we go through and it happens to percussionists and i'm sure it happens to everybody thank you guys and girls for listening this was the music mentor podcast mm -hmm.